This is a download for the Wireless Theatre Company. We've been waiting for it all week and it's been boring. Been born with two heads. Basically, we don't know what to do. What to do about all the Hindus. There's a lot of Hindus. There's a Hindu encampment, isn't there? Yep. And the problem is, I don't want to meet people. Yep, and they're outside the gates. Like gypsies, but with Hindus. You shot one of them, I didn't shot you? One of didn't mean them. to, we were shooting at crows. They keep bringing garlands to put round her neck. Her necks? Her necks. They've heard about the cow. They've heard about the cow, they've flown over, and basically they think that the cow is holy. Holy cow. But you know, we know that Deborah's just a mutant. She's a mutant. Because when Daisy was pregnant... We give her a load of anti-inflammatories. No, anti-inflammatories, because she had a swollen hoof. So it's basically two calves that have gotten fused. Fused in the womb. So she's got four legs. Two heads, two vaginas, one tail. No udders. No udders. She's not a milker. Not a milker. It's no good to us. Daisy's rejected her. Yeah. Oh, you know Billy? Yeah. You know... His wife, Sheila. Yeah. Her sister, Marjorie. Yeah. Marjorie's friend, Bob. No. Died of cancer. And that was Graham Paddock reporting from Dale Farm with the extraordinary story of Deborah, the two-headed calf, born earlier this month. In a few moments, we'll be joining Diana Spratling for this week's In My Mind. After that, we'll be hearing from The Burgers. Sandra deals with the trauma at the calf and Mrs White has a slip-up at the hairdresser's. Now it's 11.30 and we join Mir Shabim for the latest headlines. Everyone okay to go on the galley? Yep. Sorry, who's typed out the news today? Um, Davey. Davey? Big Davey. Davey with the fat fingers? Yep. Who types the wrong letters? Yep. Who hits all the wrong keys because his fucking fingers are too fat? We are live in four, three... Good afternoon, I'm Mira Shabim and these are the headlines. The Prime Minister has urged the President of the United Shites to show leadership on global financial reforms and not retreat into protectionism. Four men have today been convicted over a series of warmed robberies across southern England, which ended when police shot deaf two gang members. Their conviction ends a three-month hunt by police throughout Essex, Sussex and three other counties. More than 340 children are suspended for violence against other pupillae every school day in England, according to figures highlighted today. The government said teachers were using shit-sharp shocks to control pupils. And finally, the odds against being hit by a gyne meteorite are billions to one, but a teenager from Girth, Yorkshire, clams that on Thursday, a more one may have landed on her foot. And now it's over to Chris Aspie for the weather. Hello there. Our weather looks like it's going to be rather grey and reary over the next few days. A lot like it has been to Dar, actually. Clearer spells to the north, but don't be surprised to see a few slits and slats of rain to the south. A solid banquet of cloud will dover the area, and that drizzle should be getting exact together in the next few hours. A promise of some brachned tomorrow, but temperatures will fack away sharply. That's it from me. I'll be back with the shipping forecast later on. Are we still on air? No. Did you say President of the United Shites? No, I don't think so. I'm sure I said fack. Chris, what's brachned? Is it bad? I'm meant to be driving to Surrey in the morning. (laughs) 
Good afternoon, I'm Diana Spratling and welcome to In My Mind, a programme where each week we delve into the thoughts of tomorrow's high flyers with ten probing questions. We're hoping to get an insight into the lives of some of the country's most up-and-coming socialites. So with that in my mind, we're joined today by the delicately social and passionately philanthropic Leonora Velvety Constable Wheeler, a 19-year-old charterhouse girl whose ancestry harks back to the Russian court of 1650 and the African plains. Welcome to the show, Leonora. Thanks so much. What's happening in your world at the moment? What are you up to? Well, I'm in my gap year, but at the moment my friends and I are all busy chilling. Some of us are doing a cooking course. We stuff ourselves every day. And in August I believe you're off to work in a Tibetan orphanage. What draws you to that kind of work? Well, I'm a Buddhist, you see, so that's really why. And I feel so much sympathy with children. Also, my godfather lives in Mumbai. He's heavily involved in organic cotton. They're not sweatshops. I'm trying to switch over to organic now. Like everything in my makeup bag, I'm switching over to organic. I used to use Eve Lom for washing my face, but now I just use organic soap and, like, bottled spring water. And for, like, creams, sometimes I just get beetroot or potatoes and stroke them gently across my face. And I only ever drink fair trade coffee. Yes, a lot more people drink fair trade coffee these days, but is it the case that for some of them it's more of a fashionable choice rather than an ethical one? Yeah. No, like it's really fashionable as well, but for me it's key. So what does fair trade mean for you? Well, it means it's trade, but like it's fair. So for example, i.e. if I go up and say, like, yeah, hi, can I have a coffee? And they say, how much would you like to pay for that? And I say, "Mm, not much. And they say, you can have it. So that's like fair trade. Now, I know your father is a prolific hunter, something you've inherited. Yeah, I love shooting shit up, like boom, boom, you know. But tell me about your other passions, Leonora. I love performing, acting, singing, cashmere and knitwear. I love horses. My sisters and I have just bought our first horse, Manolo. He's in training at the Mo. And what's he training for? Like Olympics. What makes you laugh? Well, obviously the listeners can't see her, but my pug, Bryony Pig Pug, she's here with me. You're here with me, aren't you? She's hilarious. I just bought her this new Prada jumper, actually. And what makes you angry? If I had to say something, I'd probably say having to queue to get into Mahiki's. And people telling me to clean up Bryony Pig Pug's poopies. I just leave it. It's poo. None of their business, do you know what I mean? And as a Buddhist, aren't you angry with China's treatment of the Tibetan people? Yeah, like really angry. But as a Buddhist, you can't really be too angry because that's not really Buddhist. So I try to meditate and send them good vibes because there's a reason for everything. And if there isn't a reason, then it just doesn't happen. Oh, and the congestion charge, but Boris will fix that soon. He's a total ledge. So you drive in central London? No, but the driver does. Where are you happiest? Probably caning it at some wild all-night after-party in the East End. Either that or being with my boyfriend Evgeny, sitting by a roaring fire at my family castle in Staffordshire, just reading or something. Would you describe yourself as a bookworm? Oh, yeah. Can you tell us your favourite book? I know that's a difficult question off the top of your head. Yeah, that's a really difficult question, actually. Yeah. Probably War and Peace by Tolkien. Do you mean like real books or things one subscribes to? No, uh, what was your favourite book at school, for example? Um, Shakespeare. Uh, which character would you compare yourself to from his works? Are you more of a Lady Macbeth type or a Juliet? 
definitely Juliet, because Lady Macbeth dies, doesn't she? And what's your favourite quote? Washing it means live longer with Calgon. What do you avoid in life? Um, Sasha Wentworth Gross, because she told everyone in Fortnum's that my ma had had Botox and crab sticks, because they're not real crab. So uh, what do you like to eat? What's your favourite food? Easy one. Miso soup. It's really good for you. Not quite sure how, but it really is. What do you gravitate towards? Silence or noise? Definitely graving towards silence. Like, I meditate loads. Every morning I do one and a half hours, or at least 90 minutes. My goodness, that's very disciplined. But noise can be fun too. Clubbing and stuff. So like, noise in controversy. Well, you certainly seem to have packed a lot in for your 19 years. What are you saving for old age? Marriage. It's not really for old age, is it, marriage? OK. Um, dogs? How would you describe yourself to somebody who doesn't know you? Somebody who is really serious about things, you know. But also, I would definitely describe myself as a funster. I'm always up for it, Diana. I always end up dancing on tables or, like, taking my clothes off when I totally don't realise. In a club once in South Africa, I got trapped in the loo and South Africa's biggest male model had to break the door down. He's a ledge. And when I finally came out, my skirt was actually tucked into my vagina for, like, an hour and a half before anybody told me. Classic ledge. Most people would feel that you live a very privileged existence. What would you have to say to those people? Oh, we so don't. Like, their views of us are, like, totally wrong. Like, I live in the East End now, in a loft, and my water pressure is terrible. And finally, Leonora Velvety, Constable Wheeler. How would you like to be remembered? Probably as the person who saved India. Well, thanks so much for coming in to talk to us, Leonora. It's been beyond wank. Next week on In My Mind, I'll be joined by Aurora Maxwell-Headley, who swats it up at Brazenose in the mathematics department, but still finds time to be the social hub of the uni. She's a bodacious filly who has a taste for Euroboys, but is not afraid to take the bus. Oh, she's my second cousin. She's bulimic. Bitch. Can somebody switch Leonora's mic off? She's still on air. Leonora, you're still on air. Thanks. I get it cut by Nicky Clark. No, you're still on air. Go to a sting, Barry. Right. Get Pugface and a stupid dog out of here, please. Can you leave, please? Now it's 42 and time to catch up with our regular weekly soap opera, The Burgers. Has Taylor recovered from her brain surgery and will Susie ever pass her advanced maths course? Takis, my big Greek god, love of my life. We've got an order for an egg burger, extra onions, mashed nut chips... Sandra, I'm going to have to get some more eggs because it's running now, isn't it? I'll call Tina to see if she can get any more wholesale, but she's having trouble with the babysitters at the minute. Maybe Ken can bring some on his way in after he's picked up his Anglo-Chinese children from school. Right, you two, I've got to go out and meet your dad because he's got a job lot of eggs that I need to take down the calf. Who's dad? My dad. Yeah, your dad, Tanika. Not your dad, Rio, because your dad's... Gone a long way away for a very long time. But your dad, Tanika. Who's my dad? I can't get no one to look after you, so I'm going to have to lock you in the kitchen. Oh, don't go.
That social worker says you're not supposed to leave us on our own no more. She said you wouldn't leave us no more, Mum. She said that if you leave us anymore, we have to live with Mr Foster. In the dark. Do you want presents for Christmas? Yeah. Mummy's got to go out and earn some money. Bring back what's it? Keep an eye on that chip pan because it's bubbling hot fat that looks like it's going to boil over any minute. I've left the baby high up on the counter so as you can see him. Bye, Mum. Can I have a burger, Sandra? I'm ever so sorry, love, but Dr Benson's been in here. And she said to me she's put you on a diet. Is that right? Can I just get a burger and you can leave out the gherkin? For the time being, she says, I've not to serve you, love. You can put salad in it. Listen to me, love. Look at yourself. Just look at yourself. You know, we're all worried for you. Look at your feet. You can't even get your shoes on anymore. She's fetters in a truck. Yes, thank you, Mrs White. Sandra, I want a burger. Don't keep on. Give me the burger. You're getting me stressed. I just want one. Oh, oh. I've got a pain in my side. Oh, oh Mandy, love, are you all right? Oh. oh, my God, Mandy. Quick, Mrs White, go and get Melissa from the hairdresser's next door. I think she knows heart surgery. Are you sure? It's all on special offer. The Bokonga tribe wicker baskets are totally authentic. No, no thanks. No? I don't like any of it. Thank you, Wagner. Yeah, it's me. Come to the shop. I'm closing it. I'll be waiting in the storeroom. I don't care what you're doing. I want your chip fat all over me. Oh, I'm coming now, baby Mo. Sandra, love, I've got to go out. I'll be back in a minute. Sandra, can you hear me? I'm going to meet a man. Susie, have you finished that advanced maths course yet? Yeah, I've got a distinction. How's your philosophy postdoctorate going? Yeah, really good, actually. We've just been discussing structuralism under Julia Kristeva. Oh, that's great. Is there any more semi-permanent wave left in the stockroom? Yeah, loads. Who's this rushing in the door? Melissa, come quickly. That fat Mandy has had a heart attack in the cafe. Oh, my God, Mrs White slipped on some conditioner. She's unconscious. What's this that's fallen out of her bag? Looks like a letter written in German. That here, I speak German amongst six other languages. Well, I never. What's it say, Melissa? It says here that Mrs. White isn't really Mrs. White. She's Frau Koenig, and she's a Nazi war criminal. I love you, Eleni. I love you too, Raymond. I love you more, Eleni. Stop kissing me in public. No. What if my dad sees? He's Greek and very strict. Oh, come on. He's always stuck in the kitchen of the cafe. No, stop it. Look, my mum's shop's closed. Maybe she's gone to the hospital for a follow-up check about her brain surgery. I've got the keys. Let's go in there. All right, then. Come on. There's a sofa in the storeroom. Mum's been gone ages. When's she coming home? I don't know. What are you doing? I'm making a big, big pile with these newspapers. Why? We're going to play Guy Fawkes. Here, hold that match. 
<laughs> Are you sure she's not here? Yeah, I unlocked it. You saw me. She ain't here. Come on, let's go to the storeroom. Oh, yeah. oh, What's that noise? No. God, I hope it ain't burglars. Ray, I'm scared. Wait, shh. That sounds like a dog barking or something. Someone screaming? It's coming from the storeroom. Come on, let's go and see. That's it, baby mo. Oh, 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 yeah, put it all the way in. Mum! Dad! What are you doing with Mr Vasilopoulos? And where are you putting that elephant tusk? Next week on The Burgers, Takis finds that what goes in doesn't necessarily come out. Mrs White comes clean about her involvement in the Second World War and Melissa performs open heart surgery using tongs and a blow dryer. The Burgers was written by Brian Gaping and produced by Doreen Gash. Later on Radio Hoo-Ha, after deconstructing techno music last week, Anne Widdicombe takes us on a journey into the genesis of ska. But now, let's join Linder with this week's edition of What's New. OK, everyone, try to get this right with no mistakes. What's this button for? And somebody get a cup of tea and an incontinence pad for the old bitch coming in to talk about the book. Welcome to What's New. This week we will be joined by the celebrated best-selling author and Booker Prize winner, Dorothy Aliwala, to talk about her latest novel out tomorrow, Raspberry Ripple, Iron Hoof. Later in the programme, we'll be discussing the hot topic of globalisation with Dr Andrea Silva from the UN Security Council and Professor Joan Cartwright, Senior Lecturer at Cambridge University. We'll also have the latest music releases hand-picked by Kaya, plus Bob McGob will be here to give us his thoughts on winter. But first, it's time for our regular first-night theatre review, Craft or Shaft, with Cressida Hunt. Yeah, Cressida this week at the National Theatre, where we've come to see Shakespeare's Othello. Obviously, it's the opening night. I came along with my chum, Fenella. Hello! We're, hello! We're just having a drink in the bar after the show. Fantastic play. We sat in the front row. We could almost touch the actors from our seats. Extraordinary. Deeply emotional. At the end, I was at the stage door, and the lead actress came out, and she came out, and I wept. And she threw herself into my arms, and we were sobbing. Because, quite frankly, it's really, it's a play about my life. I mean, it really could be about my life, and I was deeply touched. Lots of famous faces in the crowd, many of whom I know as friends. Do you mind? I'm recording for what's new on the radio. Rudely interrupted there by some monstrous being who was, quite frankly, probably seated somewhere in the gods. It was a marvellous play. Next week, I'll be at the Royal Court reviewing the play What I Wrote. Fenella and I are going to go off now and sip some champagne with the director who I've just spotted. Hello, darling. Coming over in a minute. But we loved it, didn't we, Fenella? Yeah! We loved it. Definitely craft, not shaft. Until next week, toodaloo! Othello is playing at the National Theatre until February the 17th. And now on What's New, we are joined by a prolific female novelist who has penned over 50 titles of romantic fiction but has chosen to turn her seasoned hand to quite a different genre, that of social realism. Raspberry Ripple Iron Hoof is a remarkable work of fiction, written almost entirely in Cockney rhyming slang, a feat that is all the more amazing when you consider its author's background. 
Dorothy Aliwala, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, interesting that you've gone in this totally new direction. Tell us a little bit about that decision. Well, you know, I spent very many years writing romantic fiction. It's always been my passion, but I decided in the twilight of my years that perhaps I would try something a little more modern, maybe. I was very taken with Irving Welsh's chain spotting, which I enjoyed immensely, although I must say I didn't understand very much of it at all. So I decided I should write something, perhaps in a London dialect, so I chose Cockney. You were born in London, but we know from many biographies written about you that you grew up in India. Did you find that very different as a child? Oh, it was terribly different in India in those days. My father was a lieutenant colonel in the British Army stationed there, and it was a wonderful time, actually, growing up in India. I was absolutely free in those days, you know. Really, you could just... Well, it was so safe in India. Obviously, we were in a compound. We were surrounded by guards, uh, Gurkhas, etc. But, but I was allowed to roam free. I remember vividly when I was about seven catching and killing a rodent of some kind and my father suggesting that perhaps we should roast the rodent. I wasn't so keen on the idea of that, but I did enjoy very much my time in India. I married a Sikh, Raminda, meaning beloved, and he was my beloved. Wonderful hair. And it was in India where I learned my love of storytelling, stories of Rajat Kipling, for example, Indian fables, the stories of the religion, very interesting. And you had a pet giraffe, which was the subject of your first novel, Giraffe and Me. Um, tell us a bit about him. Yes, oh, Benson. He was wonderful, Benson, actually. He died, unfortunately, because he contracted kyphosis, which in a giraffe is just a tragic, tragic disease. He was totally curled up in the end, almost smaller than a horse by the time he died. Very sad. We buried him under the tennis court in the compound. Yes, I, I do miss Benson very much indeed. Um, now, your latest book, Raspberry Ripple, Iron Hoof, there's been a lot of media coverage this week about the rather risque scenes included in your novel. Yes. An area where you haven't really ventured before. How did you find that experience? Well, it's always been implied in my romantic fictions. Rather than having actual scenes of the sexual intercourse, one would just infer the private time shared between a man and a woman. But I did want to reach out to the modern public. And so consequently, I decided to include scenes of a sexual nature. How did you go about researching the Cockney language? I've got a charming dustman called Derek. I interviewed him often using a dictaphone and transcribed from that. Also recently, my granddaughter has introduced me to the internet interweb, and I've been using a Cockney translator on the interweb, so just writing a paragraph and then having it translated for me by the computer. And yes, the results are remarkable, and it's a book that I'm terribly proud of. And rightly so. And now I think you're going to read us a section of the book? Yes. Actually, this is a section from Chapter 6, which is where the protagonist, Bran, comes across a, well, a lady of the night, shall we say. Bran had Oedipus Rex on the brain. He'd just finished his lily, was on his jack, elephants and feeling Mahatma. He decided to seek out Annie, the four-by-four four with the big bristles and no rubics. He took a sherbet into Joe Brown and bears pour her by the apples and pears on the johnny. Hello, me old china, he said. Drop your allens, it's hairy lime for me to slide me Hampton up your orphan. 
She gave him a butcher's. Hope you've got guns and bombs, she said, or you can only use your longers. Don't make me chicken oriental, he said. Show me your two-thirty Sigourney. Get on your chips and peas. Cost you a macaroni. She was a tough negotiator. He moved closer. She wrinkled her Irish. Corlummy, she said. You pen and ink, mate. You got the boots and socks? Problems with your Nuremberg's? He bubbled. Daffer down, dilly dug. I don't want a bull and cow. He lowered his hobson. I want your Georgie Bests, your Sir Anthony Blunt, and your Gary Glitter all over my general election until I pedigree charm, or I'm off Pope in Rome for a Barclays Bank and a Tom Tit. That was Dorothy Aliwala reading an extract from her latest novel, Raspberry Ripple, Iron Hoof, which is out tomorrow. Thank you so much, Dorothy. Thank you. Now let's find out what's new on the music scene. Hello there, it's Track Marks with me, Kaya Lowe, where each week I bring you the skinny on the latest new music releases floating around out there on the internet. And if you're new to this, where have you been? What are you doing? No, really. So, first up this week, top Track Marks go to Flatpak Darren with their track, Don't Talk, Just Spit. It's a dirty sound, a bit like Bowie jamming with Meatloaf in a shed owned by Jack Johnson, but leased by Slipknot. Go check it out. Next up, for those who like the pop winsome and the cheese toasted, try Zero Face Big Hands by Walk My Auntie. Delicately fusing the sound of a harvest festival with synthro chill. Totally run a hot bath with a gin and lemon kind of sound. Or maybe you fancy stepping into a dubstep gypsy grime shower with Hogman A. Pubis and their latest single, Blow It Out Gently. Give it a listen. I don't know about you, but I'm hearing Dylan on a bus travelling to Marley's house with the English beat on his iPod. Next up, it's the swirly, woozy house influence but surprisingly poppy song You Made Me Try That On But I Didn't Like It by Terry They're a four piece based in Merkin and I love them more than a crust on a steak bake And finally it's the turn of Proust's dad Formed in a sculpture college in old London town This group mould and shape their industrial rock but aren't afraid to fire it in the kiln of religious funk It's ethereal, it's in your face and it's called Take Me Out To Shit On Me That's it from me this week, email me your thoughts on this and any other tracks featured in the show at Kai with a K at trackmarks.twat.org. For now, I'll say hello, wave goodbye. And now it's time for Hot Topic, where I am joined by Dr. Andrea Silver from the UN Security Council and Professor Joan Cartwright, Senior Lecturer at Cambridge University. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. What is globalisation? Professor Cartwright, if I could come to you first. Globalisation is really quite a substantial market proportion term given over to the current climate in terms of market, stock market, brokerage, and also including in that the climate as a whole. That's absolute nonsense. The effect of globalisation in a massive structural statewide form that if you see in a whole circle is chart after chart of disastrous consequences globally financially. No, not true. I suggest very strongly that within the next couple of years there will very much be a form of credit resuscitation involving much of the world. No, there won't. If you look at the numbers involved in this current financial crisis, the crunch numbers are 17, 28 and 40. Bollocks, nonsense, Which in themselves are fluctuating, very unstable, making a big deal out of nothing for lots of people. Crud. It's so not. Rubbish. Fuck you. What are your thoughts on the current economic climate, Professor? 
the economy has obviously been in place for many years now, centuries in fact, and it is proportionately true that an accuracy on behalf of the financial markets when looking at the FTSE, approximately 65 economic years in the Far East, and that has produced a somewhat tentative scheme whereby members of the Financial Security Council meet in the Balkans during May and other months of spring uh, to discuss current crisis in a financial term in pro quo quarter. And Dr Silver, in your opinion, what are the steps that should be taken to stabilise the global economy? Well, obviously, there's been major global financial changes. The Hong Kong index has dropped down indicatively in a financial way that's more structurally enabled to be around the money than the first prices were. We need to make way for new changes that we will implement in order to structurally embellish the platform. Well, I feel there's definitely a question about what America is and what Europe is at this time. Interesting. Perhaps we could go straight to those critical questions, Dr. Silver. In your expert opinion, what is America? It's Europe. Fascinating. And therefore I ask you, Professor Cartwright, what is Europe? It's America. And we're running out of time now, so if I could just ask you both quickly, is there a chance that the global economy will stabilise within the next two years? One word. You pussy! Thank you both so much for joining me on Hot Topic. And finally on today's show, we're sneaking a peek into a winter garden with the poet Bob McGob. Winter. Winter leaves. Hot teas. Green trees. But they aren't. Can I come in? No, you can't. You're not my aunt. You're a snowman. No man. You're listening to the phone in the Gloaming, where we're still talking about Arsenal's miserable run of form in the Champions League. And we've got a caller online too. Hello? Hello? Hello, you're through to phone in the Gloaming. I'm sorry. It's Dave there. No, you're through to John. Do you support Arsenal? Sorry, can I speak to Dave, please? I'm sorry. Uh, you've got through to John. It's phone in the drum. Just tell him I'm not going to make it till five. I, I don't think I can help you. Hello? Hello? Hello, Dave? Hello? Ovunque ci sono motori, c'è agit. Anche ora. Radio Hoo-Ha was written and performed by Octavia McKenzie and Ashley Maguire. And engineered by Matt Walters at Queen Studios for the Wireless Theatre Company. Visit www.wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk for more audio theatre. Hold that match.